We are so thankful. Stand with me and honor the man of God as he comes. Back several years ago, I was blessed to be able to make the acquaintance of Pastor Steve Smith from Germantown, Tennessee. In talking with some of our students and our graduates around the house after services over time and uh, asking them who they would like to have speak tonight, who they'd like for us to come, to have come and do this graduation. And I was, I was so thrilled that they chose the man of God that's with us tonight. I don't know that I've ever dealt with a man that has a higher level of integrity than Brother Steve Smith. He and I have traveled to the other side of the world together. We've worked together in a lot of situations. He is a great preacher and his family is a fantastic example of a godly Christian family. And I am so honored to have my friend, one of the greatest men I know, Pastor Steve Smith, coming to Bethlehem Church tonight. God bless you. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Can we do that? Can we take a moment, just give him praise? To the graduates tonight, congratulations. The tassel really is worth the hassle. But although high school is over, let the learning never end. You're always learning, always growing. Such a thrill to be here. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Vasquez and their family, their girls. Love them very much. And thrilled to have my wife with me tonight and my 14-year-old son, Carter. Now, we have a debate around our house. When Carter starts working, will he tithe to Bethlehem or to faith while I pastor? He loves this place. Thank you for being a place that young people love to come. Such an honor. So, so it's a graduation commencement. So I, I tried, if I could come up with something pretty academic, something pretty deep to impress you that would be appropriate for this time. And I, I scoured all of my books, read all of my deep thinkers, and I, I came up with a quote, just a, just a really a poem. Maybe you could call it that. That will kind of be a guideline, a, um, a bucket that I'll put all my thoughts in. But, but you, you scoured the same books. I think if I give you two words that we can all quote this together. All right? Let's try this. I just think I am in the presence of high, highly educated people, I, I think. All right, you ready? Humpty Dumpty. We're there? We're there? Humpty Dumpty. Sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty, had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. I'm going to talk to you about the gospel according to Humpty Dumpty. If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands and just ask God to anoint our time together tonight? God, I thank you for graduates. I thank you for their hard work over these years, God. I thank you for every parent, every family member that's here. God, we pray that you will anoint our time together with you, God. In the brief moments we have, God, I pray that you will speak to us in a powerful way. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for that. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. The gospel according to Humpty Dumpty. 
So this nursery rhyme really only tells us three things. It tells us that Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. It's not going to get much deeper, all right? You're, you're, you're safe. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And the illustrator of the book that I read as a child then showed me one more vital piece of information, and it was that Humpty Dumpty was a giant egg, which begs the question, Humpty Dumpty, what in the world were you doing setting on a wall? What were you doing living on the edge? Humpty Dumpty was exhibit A of the people who should never sit on a wall. I could just hear his parents growing up. Humpty, we eggs are a fragile lot. Humpty, because we're all kind of round and not the most balanced folks in the crowd, it's an excellent idea that you never, ever, ever sit on a wall. Don't live on the edge, boy. You're fragile. You're, you're, you're not very balanced. One wrong move and you're scrambled. One wrong move and you're poached. One wrong move and you're fried. I'm doing my best to make this over easy tonight. I'm trying to preach this sunny side up. Humpty was in the last place that he needed to be. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Well, of course he did. What did you expect? It was only a matter of time. Wall, big egg, there's going to be a fall if it's a math problem. It is giant egg plus living on the edge equals great fall. So that makes Humpty a whole lot like every person in this room, county, state, country, and world. We're all fragile. We, we all have a tendency not to be so balanced. We, we all have lived on the edge at least once in our lives. Oh, not me. Well, Isaiah begs to differ. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. Paul wrote in Romans, there is none righteous, no, not one. The old song we used to sing says, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Well, of course they couldn't. Have you ever tried to put back together a broken egg? It's impossible. The best you could do is just clean up the mess. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. But at least they tried. They could have walked on by and said, SMH, shake my head. This guy's all cracked up. Man, the yoke's on this guy. At least they tried. The scripture is very powerful in Galatians 6.1. It says, brethren, if any man is overtaken or caught in a fault or trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. The spiritual are into restoration, not condemnation. The spiritual are into restoring people. We've all been broken. We've all been beyond repair, humanly speaking. We've all felt like we've gone past the point of no return, humanly speaking. Others may have given up on you. Society may have given up on you. 
You may have even given up on yourself. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But I came here on this graduation Sunday to tell you, but the king could. The king's men couldn't do it. The horses couldn't do it. But the king could. No one can put your life back together again. But if you will give the broken pieces of your life to Jesus, the king can put you back together again. Again, Isaiah said, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, I'm told to achieve the, the color scarlet. You've got to double dip that fabric. Even if you're double dipped with sin, he's saying, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Paul wrote, therefore, if anyone is a new creature in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus is in the business of restoration. Jesus is looking for broken eggs. He's looking for people who don't have it all together. I hear from time to time, well, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy to go to heaven. I don't feel worthy of a relationship with God. Can I tell you something? If you do feel worthy, you're not going to heaven. People who feel worthy don't make it to heaven. It's the unworthy. It was Paul that said, I am the chiefest of sinners, and yet God loved me. See, what you understand, what you have to understand about Jesus is that he loved people that were out of place, and he would go to the wall to reach them. Matthew says, the Son of Man is a friend of sinners. We've all sinned, so he's our friend. I love Luke 15, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, because the Pharisees were giving it to Jesus. They were trying to make it hard on him because that he would reach out to people. He, was, he would eat with people that weren't religious. He would reach out to people. And Jesus in chapter 15 of Luke gives three stories with back-to-back -back repetition to say it's way worse than what you think it is. Matter of fact, he starts out by saying that I am the kind of guy that receives or welcomes sinners and I eat with them. He tells about a man who has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away and he leaves the 99 and he goes after that one sheep. He said, you think it's bad. I'm the one who will go all the way to the wall to get somebody that everybody else has discounted. And then the scripture says when he finds the lost sheep, that he gathers his friends and neighbors and there is a party. You see this trend, something lost, something found, there's a celebration. He tells the parable of a lost coin where one coin is lost. In that day when ladies would get married, they would wear a chain of coins, 10 coins um, from time to time and to lose one of those would have been highly embarrassing. He said, I am the kind of God that not only goes out in the rain and the storm to find a lost sheep. I'm the kind of God that will get on his hands and knees. I'll light a candle with you to find one lost coin. And when they found the coin, they gathered their friends together and there was a celebration. And then he tells that epic story that we call the prodigal son. It is one of the best known of Bible parables uh, in the world. Almost every major English and American fiction writer references it. 
Shakespeare alludes to it more often than any other parable. This parable has even been called the heart of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus dramatically answers the accusations of the scribes and Pharisees that he welcomed or received sinners and said, there's a father that had two sons. And one of them came and said, give me, give me what I have coming. And he went and wasted it on sinful living. But in the pig pen, he came to himself. If you look at Luke 15, it says, I will arise and go to my father. In the pig pen, I'm going to get up and go to my dad. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And while he was still a great way off, his father ran to him and he threw his arms around him. Now you must understand that in the East, old men didn't run. It wasn't dignified. It wasn't something that they did. I'm only 55 and I don't run that much either, but it has nothing to do with class. It has to do with being out of shape. But old men don't run. But in this situation, in this story, the father said, I am going to run and get to my boy. Why? Was it just to show love to him? Was it just to show compassion to him? Well, Deuteronomy 21 says that a boy that had done what this boy had done should have been stoned to death. In the, in the mindset of that day, to take the inheritance and blow it was worthy of death. Come here, Coco. You're, you, I, know, I know Brother Devin gets used at every conference I go to. I'm sorry. I'm going to bypass you and go, go to Brother Coco. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't, we'll see if he can do it. We'll, we'll see if he can do it, all right? Coco's my son, and I'm running to him, and I'm wrapping my arms around one so he knows that I love him. But the most important thing is if they decide to start throwing stones at my boy, if they're going to get to him, they've got to get through me first. This is a parable of what God is saying. You think you're too far away to come back, but motion begets motion. If you just get up and start walking toward him, he says, I will meet you where you are. And if people start throwing stones, they're going to have to go through me first because I love you that much. Uh, so when he left, he said, give me. When he came back, he said, make me. But here is the powerful thing about Luke 15 that hit me like a ton of bricks a few weeks ago. We preach this. It's great. I've preached it in prison conferences. It works there. It's, it's awesome. It's great, this idea. But every one of these stories is not talking about people who are a long way off and that have never been a part of the kingdom. Every story, it's a sheep that knew what it was like to be in the fold. It was a coin that knew what it was like to be in place. It was a son that knew what it was like to be around the daddy's house. Yes, it applies to those who have never known it, but it is specifically about backsliders, people who once were here and were away and feel like, can I come back? And God is saying, if you will make a move my way, if you will make a move my way, I will wrap my arms and love around you. I hold in my hand a $20 bill. Oh, you graduates are about to get a bunch of these probably. Anybody want one? Anybody want the $20 bill? Anybody? Anybody? Just a few. Oh, if it were a $100 bill, every hand would be up, right? I'm too cheap for that. So this thing is nice. You can go down to 
Netflix and buy $20 worth of stuff. It's wonderful. It looks pretty good. It's been folded up just a little bit. It's in my, been in my wallet. Anybody still want it? Yeah? It, it's, it's, not, it's not as nice. Well, what about this? You still want it? All right, I'm going to take this to a whole other level. What, what about this? You, you guys still want it? You know why you still want it regardless of the condition it's in? Because the condition of it does not determine its value. It has value because of whose name is on it. It's just paper. But the name says it's worth $20. You may have been wadded up. You may have been discarded. You may have been stepped on. You may have been drugged through the mud. But your daddy says you're valuable. Your daddy says I love you. Your daddy says I'm in your corner. <laughs> there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh but according to to the spirit. So to this point, I've not really proven anything of substance. I've told you about Humpty Dumpty. I mean, good night. Anybody could do that. I've told you three stories that Jesus told. Those are great because he told them. But can I give you any evidence in scripture that this absolutely is the truth? I, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. When you begin to read the word of God, it is mind-blowing the characters that God let write that book. Matter of fact, there was, a, there was a man with an anger issue. I mean, it wasn't a little anger issue. It was a big anger issue. Matter of fact, he killed a man early in his life. He was told by God after he was a leader to go into the, 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 the ruler of the country. He told him what the guy was going to do. And yet when he walked out, he was so ticked. In the Hebrew, it is, it is the word that the highest degree of being mad. He got so mad one time God told him to speak to a rock and he, struck. he had an anger issue. He was a murderer. When you open your Bible, the first five books of the Bible are written by somebody who was a murderer. That's why Moses could say in Exodus 33, I will make, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. How do you know, Moses? Because if he hadn't have been gracious to me, if he hadn't had compassion on me, I am the last person that ought to be writing the first five books of the Bible. Oh, it gets worse. There, there was a guy that didn't just have anger issues had he had women issues matter of fact he had an affair and had had the husband of his lover murdered I mean it's pretty bad but yet God allows King David to pick up his pen and write much of the book of Psalms that we love that's why he can say the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and, and there's one more you move into the New Testament and this guy didn't have an anger issue. He didn't have a woman issue. He just systematically tortured and killed Christians. It's pretty bad. I mean, you look at the drama of the New Testament. When you know who's preaching, well, I can't, I can't hear him preach. He killed daddy, you know? I mean, I mean I've forgiven, but it, you, you think there's drama. Paul was used by God to write much of the New Testament. 
That's why he could say this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Whatever you've done, whatever you think you've done that has disqualified you, there is bigger sins than that under the blood. Much of the Bible is written by people who have committed murder. You have got a great chance to be in God's kingdom. One more thing and we're done. Man, when the pastor announces barbecue right before you get up to preach, man, that's kind of tough, right? So, Paul has mentioned in the Bible more than 200 times. Moses has mentioned more than 800 times. David more than 900 times. Only Jesus is mentioned in the scripture more than David. And to me, that's just mind-boggling. David is called a man after God's own heart, but it doesn't mean that he's perfect. Matter of fact, he's, he's really messed up. To me, the greatest accomplishment of David is the construction of the temple through his son Solomon. Greatest, greatest thing he ever accomplished. But David's greatest mistakes were his sin with Bathsheba and his sin of numbering the people. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband Uriah killed. But when the prophet Nathan confronted him, he cried out, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't, don't make a saint out, him, uh, out of him. He didn't immediately confess. The prophet had to come to him. But when he was facing God, he said, Whatever you do, don't take your presence from me. That's why he's called the man after God's own heart. The, the baby born of that affair died. See, all this is mind-boggling to me. In about five minutes, I want to prove to you something that God is drilling into my head, and that is that he is way more merciful than we could ever imagine. David should have died because of his affair. You go to Numbers 20.10, it's, it's in the rule books. He should have died. God gave him a pass. The only thing you could see is that the baby out of that affair died, and yet later other children came, one of them by the name of Solomon, and Solomon followed David as king. There was another time David got God really angry when he counted the people. And we kind of have a hard time understanding this. But David knew from the front end almost that he had done something wrong. When the numbers came back, he was, instead of relying on God, he was counting on what he was counting on. Instead of counting on God. And God began to move throughout Israel. 70,000 people were killed. And David rushes to a threshing floor. And he begins to offer something to God. To stop the death angel. There was a man who wanted to give him everything. I would too. Whatever we can do to stop this plague, do it. Yet David said, I will not offer God anything that doesn't cost me something. Here's what is amazing to me. That piece of property became the place of of the temple. David's greatest accomplishments, get your mind wrapped around this, was the construction of the temple through his son Solomon. His greatest mistakes were his sin with Bathsheba and numbering the people. Only God would do that. I would have never done that. I would have said, well, you know what? I'll let Solomon live and all your other kids, but we're never really going to talk about him again when it came time for somebody to succeed David. God said, I'm going to break protocol. It's not going to be the firstborn son. David had so many, had so many sons. He could have had a three-on-three three three basketball tournament and had a bunch of teams to go around. He went way down the list. Solomon wasn't even the firstborn between Bathsheba and David. He went way down the list to pick up the product of this 
of this affair situation. I would have looked over Bathsheba's kids, but not David. God says, I can not only put your pieces back together, I can do something with your life. And come on, give him praise. And if that's not enough, he said, I am going to put in David's heart an idea to build a temple. I'm not going to let him do it because he shed too much blood. But he can lay the foundation. He can get the plans together. He can get the materials together. And I'm going to use a son born out of a marriage he should have never had. And we're going to build that temple on a piece of ground that was a memorial to a mistake he made. God not only forgave his sins, he not only picked up the pieces, but he said, I can do something with you. I can't just put your life back together again. But it was his two greatest mistakes that God used to bring his greatest accomplishment to pass. And so I'm done. But Humpty Dumpty, this is what he's told you. Because he's told me this is the same thing. The enemy has said you will never amount to anything. And all of your mistakes mean that I will never be able to use you. God will never be able to use you. But the word of God makes it plain. If we can give the pieces of our life to him, he can not only put them back together, but when our life is over, it may be the foundation for the greatest accomplishments that we've ever made. All over this room, why don't you stand to your feet? A friend of mine by the name of Nick Mahaney always struggled to live for God. I grew up in Arkansas, and every year at camp meeting in Redfield, Arkansas, Nick would pray through. I don't know why, but they let that dude sing Make Me an Instrument, the old Archer song that I used to sing until I heard him sing it. The boy could sing. But he struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism his daddy was known by everybody everybody knew the name Charlie Mahaney but Nick never could get it together Nick finally in desperation just started living anywhere he could live he'd live in halfway houses he'd live in abandoned houses he would do whatever he could to get out of the limelight and one season of his life Nick was hiding he was in an old abandoned house he was hiding he was hiding from God he was hiding from his family. He was hiding from everybody else. Nobody could find Nick Mahaney. He opened his eyes one night and he saw his dad standing at the door of that abandoned house. He said, Dad, how, how, how did you know how to find me? He said, boy, God told me the address where you are. And he said, I've simply come to tell you it's time to come home. And from that moment on, Nick Mahaney came home and he never went back again. I simply came here on this graduation Sunday to tell somebody it's time to come home. The father's waiting. The father's here. He'll wrap his arms of love and comfort around you and he will take you back. Humpty, if you can just give him the broken pieces of your life. <laughs> He can not only put you back together again. He can give you a destiny that would blow your mind. To make it easy on everybody. I wish that everybody in this room would just come as close as you can to the front of this room.
got a friend with you, just bring them. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything to, to make you uncomfortable. But make a step toward God. It's like the, the prodigal standing up in the pig pen and said, I'm, I'm making a step toward you. I'm, I'm making a step. I'm just, I'm making a step. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm making a step toward you. When you get in the altar, if you're comfortable, why don't you lift your hands and just begin to talk to God for a moment. If you're not, bow your head and begin to talk to God for a moment. In the pages of the scripture, God did everything in his power to take away every excuse we have for coming back to the Father because he is here for you. You, you may have fallen off a ledge. Nobody can put you back together again, but, but the king can. But the king can. Come on, lift your voice right now and begin to talk to him. Begin to talk to him right now in this room. Lift your hands and talk to the Lord. Lord, in this room we pray. God, we open our mouths wherever we are. Wherever we are in our relationship with you, God, I want your love. I want that relationship with you that you promised, God. I want you to put my life back together again. God, I want to be the person that you want me to be for your kingdom and your glory's sake. dealt with us after our sins but by your mercy there's none righteous no not one not a single one of us have the right to stand before you and righteously claim salvation but God because of your mercy and grace and the blood that you shed we all have the right to stand before you and ask for your mercy and so, God, I pray all over this place, you know, Lord, who you're dealing with. You know whose heart felt hopeless, and you gave a word tonight. 
I pray, God, that you would give a restoration of hope in somebody's spirit tonight. God, I thank you for an encourager that came by. I thank you, God, for sending a man of God to speak a word of hope. And I pray, God, let us apply it to our lives. Help us, oh God, to let it register in our spirit that there's nothing too hard for you to forgive. If you did it for Moses, you did it for David, and you did it for Paul, then God, it's nothing for you to do it for one of us as well. Thank you, God, for putting lives back together again. Oh, thank you. Can, we, can you just praise him and thank him for what you've heard tonight? What a wonderful word of mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you again for coming out and celebrating with our BCS class of 2023. I'm so thankful that you came. And uh, we have a meal prepared in the dining room. We want you all to come. And I was... In, I was uh, reminded twice that I forgot the offering. And so the, the offering uh, pans are up here. The offering collection uh, are up here. So you can bring your offering and then you can be dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.